Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. The Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzle cast, welcome back to The Bizzle cast. I'm here again with my uh, buddy and video game contributor to The Bizzle cast, Ethan Berlenbach. Ethan, welcome back to the podcast. Glad to be back. So Ethan and I, a few months ago, uh, it's Labor Day weekend right now. And so guys, if you hear any like fireworks and stuff at the background, that's because it's Labor Day weekend in Philadelphia. But we did a really great podcast a few months ago about the state of Nintendo and different things about the video game industry and had a few sound issues. And But more so, it was like right before my summer got super crazy and I just didn't get around to editing it. I'm going to be releasing part of that podcast, especially our discussion about the current state of multiplayer and the problems with... With microtransactions and uh, and sort of the ups and downs of sort of what what has sort of transpired and developed in multiplayer in the industry uh, over the past few years, we're going to be touching that a little bit as this podcast goes on. The main part of this podcast, Ethan, I thought we would talk about, even though E3 was a couple months ago, I feel in some ways we're better off now in terms of knowing what the hell is actually going on because at E3 you only know what they tell you, right? It's like a trailer versus the actual movie kind of thing. Um, um, so that is the bulk of, of what I want to talk about. But are you cool starting just a few minutes on a, a somewhat different topic that's relevant to, to my podcast and to me? Sure. Um, so that topic is Star Wars. And actually, we're going to talk about Star Wars Battlefront in a little bit, um, Battlefront 2 coming up. But uh, Bizzlecast listeners, as you probably know, I've launched a sort of sub-series that I'm calling uh, Shooting Star Wars uh, as part of the Bizzlecast about Star Wars and pop culture and philosophy and religion and how it's affected the, uh, the, the American culture and through the generations and so forth. Um, Ethan, I just wanted to ask you, I know this is a bit of a plug, but we've never actually talked about this and Star Wars is something that's very important to me and people of my generation and now that my generation's having kids we're spreading it to their generation um, and uh, and then there's the generations just before you who grew up with the prequels which many of us don't love but for better or worse people who are ki- little kids during the prequels fell in love uh, with Star Wars through that um, so my question to you is uh, I, I can't ask you to speak completely for your entire generation, um, but is Star Wars anything more than just like a movie property that kind of comes along occasionally uh, to, to people you know and to, and to you? Um, because you are sort of in that middle ground a little bit where you didn't have movies coming out when you were little the way the movie sort of came out when I, the original movies came out just before when I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, like, so I mean, I, I, I am mostly actually on the your side of the middle ground because i actually did go see episode three in theaters oh okay um which was episode three yeah. um <laughs> best prequel i mean, we can say that yeah uh, well, let's not argue over what how good trash is if it's trash <laughs> <laughs> well make, uh, yeah make your larger point and then maybe we can talk about the prequel so you saw episode three in the uh, theater so i saw yeah. episode three in the theater but uh, I mean, like, I grew up on Star Wars the same way that I grew up on Godzilla and other stupid cartoons on Cartoon Network. I mean, like, I love Star Wars. Um, not so much from a, like, this is incredible perspective, but from a, this is a nerdy thing, I'm into this perspective. Right. Um, and so for my generation, like, Star Wars is just still an awesome thing. Maybe not as much as for those folks who were there in the movie theater for episode six. 
um, or not episode six, sorry, episode four for, right. for new hope. Yep. But for, for, for me, like going to see a star Wars movie is just as exciting for everybody else. On top of that, it's, uh, it, it's just, it's just, it's just great to see, uh, basically almost effectively the whole world engaging on, you know, on this nerdy thing in a sense. Um, and then the prequels are a meme. <laughs> like, pre- prequels are prequels, whatever. If you've listened to my podcast before, you know, I've, I've roundly rejected them as good movies. I do think there was good world building, and it's, they're certainly canon, if nothing else, that have led to much better development since, since then. Um, I was in high school when episode one came out, and we were so pumped. We were like acting like a bunch of three-year-olds, and we saw The Phantom Menace, and we were just like, really? Like, this is what all the buildup was about, you know? Um, but what's amazing, man, is even though it's been 40 years since A New Hope, and I, I didn't see any of the original movies in the theater, um, but I was a child of the 80s, and I grew up with them on, on VHS and TV and so forth. So what's amazing is over 40 years, including with three prequel movies, which most people really don't like, you would think would have ruined Star Wars for good, but then they continued uh, with the Clone Wars animated series, which was pretty mm-hmm. okay, and then they sold it to Disney, and Disney, in my opinion, has done a pretty bang-up job the last few years, both on screen in terms of the cartoons and the books and everything, like now everything's canon including battlefront 2 which we're going to talk about like even the video games has to go through what they call a story group so that there's consistency among the characters and there's continuity and so forth um i I don't think any of us saw this coming when disney bought it it seemed like just like a cash grab for lucas and for disney but they've really put a lot into it um my feeling man i don't know if you agree with this in terms of uh the force awakens and rogue one is that even though like the Avengers and Marvel movies can be a lot of fun at times, there's something just timeless that remains with Star Wars, where I'm, mu- I'm much more excited to see a Star Wars movie than to see a comic book movie at that point. Do you, do, do you um, and or your friends and you know, colleagues make that sort of distinction, or is it just like a fun you know, sci-fi adventure that you know, occasionally comes out and, and, and is fun to see in the theater or whatever? I can't speak for my friends, but I can say I've had that surreal experience. Uh, I was babysitting uh, this um, a special needs kid about a year and a half ago, I'd say. A little more than that, probably. And uh, the, the, the basic instructions that I was given from the parents were, don't worry about the kid. Just play Star Wars or play, his, play, play these YouTube videos about Thomas the Tank Engine, whatever. But we watched from the last 30 minutes of, ep- of uh, episode five. Mm-hmm. We watched the entirety of episode six, and then we went back and watched the entirety of episode four. <laughs> hmm. And it didn't matter that we were playing them out of order. It was right. Star Wars. And it was still enjoyable, even though like I was kind of sitting there bored, just making sure the kid wasn't setting himself on fire or anything that kids <laughs> these days do now. Like, Yeah. Like, uh, so I mean, like, uh, no, I think that's a great point because it, it, it's, it's yeah. certainly a wave of nostalgia. Yes. But like, uh, yes, it's, but it, it, but it feels fresh at the same time now with the new, it, it still for me. feels fresh yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And I kind of want to, and you brought that question up and I kind of want to take this question just one step further and point mm-hmm. this somewhere. Mm-hmm. People, pe- people, 
people all the time talk to me about like how much they were disappointed a little bit by episode seven. And my response to and my response every time is if you were only able to see episode four, how would you feel right now? If, if episode five and six didn't exist yet, how would you? You, you would feel a little bit let on. And that's how that's how I feel about episode seven is I want to wait and see how episode eight and nine play out. I agree. How do they connect this whole abridging story together? Yes, it, it, it's just sometimes like, like that, that and pe- people are like, oh, OK, I, I see where you're going. Yes. And, and and then they go off and do whatever they do. I don't know. They're customers at GameStop. I don't know what they yeah. do. Um, <laughs> well, and they were trying to get all the people that were turned off by the prequels, but liked the original trilogy. They were trying to get them reengaged. So, yes, there's a new Death Star. And yes, there's a new Darth Vader. But like, I get why they did it. Exactly. I, I feel like I, 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 I just I just feel like we cannot fully judge this movie yes. until the last two movies are out yep. or until they they I don't know, release a special effects version. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I, that's why I say uh, the first two new movies, uh, Force Awakens and Rogue One, they both had ridiculously hard challenges. Episode 7 was what you said, which is they needed to give us a really great standalone movie with great new characters that got us re-engaged with the feeling of the old trilogy while setting up the future and not giving too much away. Rogue right. One was telling us a story in a time period that we knew about, but was a story we didn't know fully with characters we had never met before and are never going to see again. Spoiler alert. And, you know, and make that story compelling. And I like that Disney sort of taking on that challenge of, of, uh, you know, telling different kinds of stories. Um, and, uh, you know what I mean? Does that, does that make any sense? No, no, it, it does a hundred percent because it, <sighs> Rogue One was fantastic. It was a ridiculously good. Like, like it felt like a really good Star Wars film. It felt like yeah. it felt like it could sit. It felt like it deserved the name Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you prefer? Whereas, Just out of curiosity, like, like, what, between and, the two new ones, which which is your favorite so far? A Rogue One definitely because I know what's ha- like I know what's going on. It's an enjoyable film. Like yeah, it like the the end like you get sad about the ending. Like, but like I'm not going to say what happens. But like you get no, you sad. Can spoil but, like, it. We've you spoiled it. Like, yeah. Oh okay. Like like yeah, they die at the end. But like you feel like that's like it's not it's not, it's not like they what that's what they deserve. Mm-hmm. But you feel like it's an acceptable ending to the story because the. The good guys still won the day, in a sense. Yep. Especially to see Carrie Fisher at the end, even though oh, she had just passed. I know. Yeah, I talked. I did a recent podcast where we talked a little bit about the Last Jedi, and I'm just going to be like tearing up the whole time every time she's on screen. It's going to be weird. Um, but yeah, but what 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 I love about Rogue One was even though it was made well before Trump was elected, the notion that you have a bunch of somewhat selfish characters who come together and sacrifice for the greater good. I think mm-hmm. is a message that is universal and always needs to be told, but is especially important now, you know, mm-hmm. which is, it's and, not about you. It's about everybody else. Yeah. And, and, and I think that like in general, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the messages in star, the like messages that star Wars can only tell Yep. in particular, like you can, if you're looking for a message, there's someone there to, to give you a moral or a story that will teach you that but finding it 
in in such like a triple a title such as star wars is gratifying in a sense yeah, and this will be my last thought. We'll move on to the main course here is just that it is a story about parents and children. And I love that, you know, and that's something that binds the storytelling um, to generations. Like, you know, how you talk about how, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you, you have a, an OK, you have a good relationship with your parents, but you're just a pretty independent mm-hmm. guy. But you talk about with Mario Kart, right? How it's like this very like specific but important activity that you guys all can play regardless of what's going on with the family dynamic for example exactly. you know and my parents know I'm, I'm a huge nerd and have these nerd podcasts and i drag my dad to see all the like dc and marvel movies and he mostly likes them I and mean, we usually agree about it you know we prefer the like logan deadpool stuff you know but right um but at the same well, I mean, time who doesn't like, yeah who doesn't but but, <laughs> I, but i take my mom to rogue one who hasn't really seen anything but the original movies and she is in tears you know through the last 40 minutes and she it it means something to her when she sees leia even though it's cgi leia and by the way only my generation and younger even realized that they were fully cgi characters my parents had no clue that tarkin and leia were i mean they knew leia at some level couldn't have been real but like tarkin which some people complained about as being too cgi the older generation had no idea but anyways but like one thing i talk about ma'am and they'll move on is you know how they uh they, they've got the x-wings and the y-wings in rogue one and the y-wings are doing mm-hmm. all the bombing runs i, I don't mm-hmm. know how like if i asked my mom what an x-wing or a y-wing was she'd have no idea but it's so clear to her experientially that there are different ships and they look different and they do different things Mm-hmm. And maybe this will be the perfect transition rather than just fully diving in the deep end is that, you know, there's so much extended canon now with Disney and Disney's doing such a great job with their story group and making sure the books and the cartoons. I highly recommend Star Wars Rebels people on the Disney channel. It's one of those like Pixar things where it's for kids, but adults also can super enjoy it. Um, but it's all part of the same storyline now. Lucas used to just license it out and, and you know, nothing was connected. Now everything connected and so it makes it that much cooler so you can just enjoy the movies or then you can read the books and the comics and whatever else and have have another experience but man even star wars battlefront 2 is going to be canon in terms of the single player storyline in that game and maybe this is a good bridge because Ethan and i want to talk about the sort of the post e3 legacy from 2017 you know how in our last podcast um which which i am going to release where we talked about multiplayer stuff and the different between you know uh, the people who want the single player experience like myself and mostly multiplayer which is a lot of people but dude i'm telling you man when i see people's like lists of like best of or like just favorite games of the past few years it's like uncharted 2 or mass effect 2 or you know they're stories that have lots of character and have lots of plot and, and things like that and maybe they have a great multiplayer component and maybe not but the new mass effect was a disaster because it only focused on multiplayer for the most part and so no one really got into it so um are you ready to jump into e3 yeah, absolutely. Okay, so E3, the what is it called? The Electronic Entertainment Expo. Uh, which Entertainment is, Expo, yep. Yeah, which has been around at least since the 90s when I was growing up, maybe even before, but at least since the 90s. It's ostensibly a kind of a Comic-Con for uh, video games, but it differs in some significant ways. And I heard some very mixed things about sort of how it's gone the last couple of years. Well, let me throw it to you. Talk, yeah, just give a little intro to E3. So I I, I like my my take it on it is in in a nutshell it's where every big game co- game company or game related company gets to go out there and say hey 
this is where your this, this this is where your Black Friday starts because this is where we're announcing what's coming out this holiday season effectively. Um, and so you get big things that happen in E3. Uh, you the, the majority of things that happen in E3 are one new console announcements, two, um, major game develop like major game developments for things such as Zelda. Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, except you name it, like all the big AAA team titles generally for the most part announce their big announcements at E3. Um, and that, and that is like that, that's when the video game world gets to look and say, okay, this is how the rest of this year is going to go leading up till next E3. So effectively the beginning of a gaming year is not January 1st. It is for the most part when it for whenever E three starts every year. Um, now, unfortunately, a lot for a lot of game awards, that's not how the the cycle works because I think that should it should go from E three to E three. But E uh, three is only the it's the most popular American conference. Uh, things such as Gamescom, uh, which is a big thing over in Europe. It's it's effectively E three over in Europe. Uh, all the PAX uh, venues that PAX East, PAX West, PAX North, PAX South, four venues that are all very big also for American, like they, they all happen around the United States and it's big for American gaming. Um, the E3 style show over in Japan is the Tokyo Game Show. Um, so you, you have all of these different conferences mm-hmm. happening all around the world. And most developers choose to do them at E3, just yeah. because the, uh, the the American audience is the I think the best selling in the world. I it yeah. might be wrong on that, but I think it's the biggest. Um, and when I was growing up, man, by the way, when I was growing up, the big the big heavy hitters at E3 were computer games, not console games. That's changed in the last twenty years. Um, but keep going. The, 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 the other the, the important thing about E3 more than just the fact that everyone gets to announce what's happening is more of how do you how do you get to judge a, a year by how good it's going to be for games and so by a comparison note this year has been much better than last year however uh, that doesn't mean it's been a great year or a good year right um, can, can I can I bring up some sort of the two or three big picture things that I look at when I look at a convention or expo, and then you can sure, dive in on any point here. So I've, I've never actually been to Comic-Con or any of the Comic-Cons, and everyone's constantly like, dude, your podcast, man, like, it, you need to spread the brand. Like, go to, you know, Dragon Con or any of these, you know, or Gen Con, which is the board game convention and so forth. But, you know, these these cons have, for, have become, like, spectacles as much as information, you know? Like, for example, the Disney people are so tight-lipped about Star Wars that people don't go to Comic-Con to learn tons of new information or even announcements about Star Wars because they already know it and they're getting all the information they get. They go to like celebrate it and meet the stars and you know what I mean? And like just have a sort of experience, right? And maybe it's not a fair comparison because that's a convention and this is an expo, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And expo stands for expose, which means just showing off product. 
But I listened to some commentators about this year. And again, you can compare it to last year and to years past. People said there was just a general lack of enthusiasm mixed with lack of really new or interesting or innovative products this year that left a lot of people cold. And maybe point to what I've been saying, which is that there are just way too many shooters uh, you know, and a handful of genres, despite all the technological advances. The, bigger, the big question I want to address over the, the length of this podcast which you don't have to address now is whether there's just a stagnation in creativity and game design in general. But you said this year was better than last year. So could you describe by what criteria you judge in E3 and, and why this one was better than last year, but still had a lot left to be desired? So, so the first big heavy hitter that you, you got to knock out of the way and look at, look at the, like, one of the things I judge a year by is sure. what, what got most anticipated okay. last year. What got most anticipated for the year of 2016 was No Man's Sky. <laughs> no Man's Sky was the most anticipated game for 2016. But that's an exception to the rule because that was a huge scam. That doesn't happen very often. And, and But now the game is good. But that's besides the point. No Man's Sky is a big example, though, because pe- people, were, people were very excited for this game. And it ended up being terrible. And so what you had left to take its place was a lot of fantastic games, but not like, like the people were so hype and ready for a, for another game. So you had things like overwatch mm-hmm. uncharted Four, doom, etc., that were fantastic games. And a lot of them got awards. The only two big titles that I can think of off the top of my head that have been exciting and revolutionary for the industry. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, there's only Wait, two. this year or last year? Both years. Okay, go ahead. The, the fact that there's two very interesting titles that come out so far would be, one, Overwatch. Overwatch, listen, it's definitely a TF2 ripoff. It's a definitely a Team Fortress 2 ripoff. Valve had the original idea, class-based team shooter, sure. where you... You have nine classes, and you, you go at each other's base, and it's wacky and fun or whatever. Um, and so, and, and Blizzard, co- like, like, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to di- t- say Overwatch is a ripoff. It takes a lot of elements from other games, and it makes it its own. Sure. But Overwatch comes in with this cartoony, very fun style, uplifting team-based shooter where it's more like everyone is, it, it's more like everyone's playing as a character from The Incredibles, rather than just your standard run-and-gun, boots-on-the-ground Call of Duty shooter. Um, and it's incredibly fun because the characters in the game all have special personalities, and you get to role-play a little bit. Here, sorry, man. Here's where my Star Wars comparison comes in, just in terms of quality over time. Isn't it interesting that franchises like Halo, Destiny, Call of Duty, and so forth have spent so much time trying to perfect and spread their particular version of the first-person shooter, and yet as soon as Blizzard drops one, it becomes game of the year? To me, that talks about brand and company quality over time. I don't know if you agree with that. Call of Duty's never gotten game of the year, I don't think. Probably not for just game of the year in general, probably for multiplayer at some point. 
uh, probably early on, probably like Call of Duty 2 or something. But you see what I'm saying? Is that it doesn't matter if you've been doing shooters for 15 years. It matters that you have a great company with a great company philosophy and awesome employees, which Blizzard has. So when Blizzard put their mind to it, they fucking killed it. Even though I haven't played it, and I know not everyone loves it, it did get Game of the Year. It, yeah. It, it also got Best Multiplayer, which... Well, right. That's like winning Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, what, what, when I when I think about what, what like for when some when something like Overwatch gets an award for a game, I think it deserves it, but I don't think it deserves it just because it's Blizzard. Sure, you're gonna have those Blizzard fanboys who are like, it's a Blizzard game. And that's what I said. I didn't say it deserves it because it's Blizzard. I'm saying when Blizzard puts their mind to something, even a genre they've never t- never tackled before. In their first major attempt, it's extremely impressive they do this well. Forget about the award. It, it wasn't even their first. It wasn't even their first major attempt. They had, they put four word, they they put eight letters on a screen and it was instantly a sellout. Like right, it, Overwatch is great. I, I can't I can't complain. But yep. go, go, going back going back to yeah. why this changes perspective of a year. Yeah. when you have five titles that are good out of a roster that where, where, where more should have taken its place. Um, no man's guy is the first game that comes to mind, but I know, I think uh, something about street fighter five. I remember being people being very disappointed with. Yeah. There's other games from 2016 that were supposed to be great and just were not. And no man's guy is like at the top of that list. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I, I can't speak for what's come out since the summer, but leading up to the summer, what game, there was only one game in the top 10 sellers as of April or May that I saw that was a completely new property or completely unexpected, which was Zero Dawn. Z- Zero Dawn, yes. And Horizon Zero Dawn is a game I know I still haven't played through, but I know tons of people who aren't big gamers who really liked playing through that game. And the fact that it sold so many copies where it was bringing some cool elements from a bunch of different games, it was its own thing, you know. But but interestingly, after getting very little press last year, I think, again, Ethan, you followed this much closer than me, so correct me if I'm overstepping my bounds here, but I believe that one of the biggest announcements of what's the company... Uh, or no, one of the biggest PlayStation announcements at E3 this past summer was the expansion to Horizon Zero Dawn. And people were like, really? Right. Like, this game's great, but like, that's your big announcement? Is like an expansion to Zero Dawn? And this is going to be my main question running through. You don't have to address this head on now, which is just the lack of innovation from the main companies in terms of game design right now. It seems to me they're focusing a lot on hardware and not enough on, on game design. And, and, to, to 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 reiterate like to, to i'm i'm going to i'm going to go back to yeah like br- br- bridging bridging the originality and then bridging mm-hmm. it into why like e3 is a whole here and why i'm why i'm going to make my point that microsoft won the e3 conference this year oh go you know what jump right in just jump right in okay so sony had a lot of didn't do a lot of announcing at e3 that's because they did do a lot of announcing at gamescom at least uh, in in the sense of pushing pushing their titles that they had already announced at E3, which right. is more than Microsoft has done. Um, however, it still doesn't it still doesn't pit them up to what Microsoft was able to do at E3. Sony, Bethesda, Ubisoft, EA, all of them were not able to do what Microsoft was able to do, and 
yes, some only one of those other people, only one of those other platforms makes consoles, and I'm leaving out Nintendo purposely here, hmm. which I will explain later. Mm-hmm. Um, well, can I tell you just what before you jump into that? Well, this will be the contrast. So the narrative I got out of it was Nintendo's presentation was just baffling. Um, PS's was boring and Microsoft was focusing too much on their focusing too much on their new console that's expensive and isn't clear why most people would want or care about it. That was the narrative that came out of it. So that'll be a good contrast to why you think Microsoft won this whole thing. Th- that's a good summary of most things that happen. Yes, Sony was just playing a bunch of trailers. That's kind of all they did. Yeah. It wasn't anything special, it wasn't anything new. Yeah. Nintendo basically showed off a bunch of nostalgia train, which they're good at, which is basically all they do, but they're really good at doing. And it's going to sell them. It's going to, they're going to sell their stuff Mm -hmm. as usual. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also going to go into why I think if I can, if we have time, why Nintendo is going to be the best platform for the year. Well, I think they're going to do great in sales, but I still think they have a, there's still a gap between their vision and people's enthusiasm, I think, but keep going. Here's here's why Microsoft was able to take the cake. Which, by the way, you don't hear that sentence ever. <laughs> so I'm really excited yeah, yeah, for this. For, 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 <laughs> E3 as a whole was bad this year, and that's why Microsoft won. But it was still better than last year. <laughs> okay, so they lost the least. It, 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 that, that just showed that just shows how bad last year was, though. What was so bad about last year? I'm not going to lose this Microsoft. Over, point. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Overwatch released before E3. Uh, so everyone was just so, obsessed so with it. Yeah. Doom released before E3. Or the, the the big thing was that Doom didn't release any review copies, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is going to be terrible uh, already." And it turned out to be amazing. People loved it. Yeah. 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 I didn't mean to play. Um, it was so it was so good. They had the band play at the game at the at the Gamescom boards. Mm-hmm. Dude, you have to read or listen to the audiobook about the about uh, Romero and and the, the people who created Wolfenstein and Doom and Quake. It's so fascinating. Uh, the you know the, the the bizarre individuals who came up with the 3D shooter genre you know and like in a lot of ways those are still the most disturbing themes right I mean oh, yeah. one is Nazis and the other one is like horribly scary monsters in space which you play like the Resistance games like these are okay but this doesn't really you know nowhere near as good as the best Doom games for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, one topic we tease maybe for later is, like, why is the quality control limited to so few companies and so few developers? Like, why can you have five great Uncharted games, but no one else can make it something like that? But, um, uh, but anyways, keep going. So you're saying there wasn't a lot to show uh, last summer in retrospect or even at the time because the good games right. have come out already. Right. Well, like... Last year was almost a re- this year was almost a repeat of last year, except there was more to talk about. There was actually things to talk about. Uh, it just wasn't exciting because there mm-hmm. th- th- there were the, the exciting a lot of exciting things already happened this year. Yeah. You know who I blame? Uh, E.g. E.g. Switch and Zelda. But so so my, here's why Microsoft. Oh yeah, go back so to Microsoft. Microsoft I'll, I'll, I'll give my Microsoft blame awards out. Go ahead. Yes, they were sucking their own dick about the whole time that they had the most powerful console. Yes. <laughs> It is a very powerful console. That's a different discussion. They were able to announce a new IP. Is it powerful as your computer? In some ways it is. But I mean, could you personally build a computer with reasonable cost that would be significantly superior? 
I could build a I I could not build a more powerful computer with the parts they are putting inside of it. No, no, that you could afford being an eighteen year old. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, definitely. I'm just trying to get a frame of reference here. In a, in a month, I can have enough money to build a- Well, because it, it, I, I just want to know the difference between what's going to blow the average consumer away versus what's going to blow you away, who's you know a huge technophile. Yeah. Here, here's what here's what this con- console offers in a nutshell. It offers the most. It's the most powerful console on the market for five hundred dollars, and it gives you four K. That's what it does. That in a nutshell. Solid state drive. No solid state drive. That's <sighs> the that's the big thing I'm mad about. But Why? I saved my Mac. That's dude. I have a 2011 they, they, Mac with because I put a solid state drive in. Have, it's completely given it life. I mean this thing, and I put hundreds of thousands of hours in on it. Why would they not do a solid state drive? It's so stupid. Because they want they wanted a one terabyte hard drive for it, and for a lot of console gamers, hard drive space is hard to come by. Uh, you get thirteen hundred dollar computer with a terabyte. Um, Oh yeah, uh, solid sure. state drive, but whatever. But they spent all their money on a GPU and a quote unquote liquid cooled processor. Mm-hmm. It's vapor cooled. <laughs> who, who makes these processors? Intel. Uh, this is all AMD software because AMD is cheaper. No, it, it, Intel, Intel, and Nvidia would never be inside of a console, at least a mainstream console, because it's so expensive, or rather, more expensive than AMD. Look, I'm 35. I have a lot of friends my age. I have a lot of friends between my age and your age. I have my parents, and my parents have a ton of friends, and some of them have a ton of money. I, I, don't, I know maybe one person in my entire life who might have a 4K television. I mean, there are a lot of people with money in space that don't even have 4K TVs. That's what I, I'm, right. not, I'm not clear on. Right. Their future-proofing it is the first thing. Okay. A lot, a lot like what Nintendo did with the Switch, where they were like, okay, well... Listen, two terabyte micro SD cards don't exist yet, but we'll make the system compatible with them nonetheless. Speaking of which, you could put it on the games. Like the games could come on like a half terabyte, you know, flash card, right? I mean, that's not that expensive these days. That that's that's what a lot a lot of people are discussing that the PS5 is going to be using chips instead of discs. Yeah, why not? I personally like my hard media. I don't like that the Switch has chips. I just accept the fact that that's all that can fit inside the system itself. I will always have. A, I would rather have a disc than a uh, than, than a chip. Always, always. Okay, so let's go back to Microsoft here. You still you haven't convinced me yet that Microsoft won, other than by default. Yeah, okay. they launched a new IP. Wait, what's the new IP? New IP is Anthem. Okay, what's it Anthem? Looks, it looks interesting. Forgive me if this sounds like Destiny, because it kind of is. <laughs> I'm not sure I would know anyway, but go ahead. It, you, you, I would recommend you look up. I would recommend everybody look up the trailer because it looks really nice. But for, and especially for you, because you're very upset about Andromeda. This is how this ties in. This is going to tie into Andromeda. So this is great. I'm not upset. I'm just saying I never even considered buying it because of what I heard about. It. Well, what what if what what if they what if I told you that they took half of the mass effect andromeda team away that's the creative end for mass effect and put it on anthem well it all stems from the the fallout over the ending of mass effect 3 which is the worst fake controversy ever sure but they literally took half of the creative team out of mass effect andromeda and put it on anthem oh so okay okay i get it okay they took it away from the project okay all right you got my attention man you got my (laughs) yeah keep 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 so so anthem was made by the some of the guys that who made mass effect yes over at EA, 
Okay. It's going to be an Xbox One exclusive. Okay. Uh, it is a very similar story to Destiny, but it is it, it's supposedly going to be a very open world game where you're fighting for uh, you're you're fighting for supplies against the outer world monsters and like there's a there's a single city or whatever. It's basically Destiny except everybody has an Iron Man suit and you get to fly around killing a bunch of enemies. <laughs> uh it looks fantastic it looks amazing it looks incredible and i think you know this is just my thing is like for me world war ii is so much more interesting than a shooter in the future which to me the world war ii call of duty is is by far the most excited i've been about a video game in like four years as far as i can remember but i know that that's not the majority because call of duty used to be synonymous with world war ii like for years like that's what it was associated with yeah Right, and and then they took a different path, and, mm-hmm. or well, different yeah. developers took different paths. Well, look, as long as Anthem has better facial animations than Andromeda, they'll be in good shape. Um, and I, I think they will. Um, I think, <laughs> pull up the trailer for yourself. See what you think. It's an impressive trailer. I will. It looks will. fun. And speaking of trailers, the uh, trailers so far, including the new trailer for the Starfighting and Star Wars Battlefront, looks amazing. Oh yeah. And here's what I want to ask you about because I, I've read tons of reviews on the first battlefront never played it most people say it's not a good game but listen to my star wars podcasters and they all play it anyways because they just are obsessed with star wars and so they find reasons to like it and apparently it's gotten better over the years blah 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 blah. this is a huge jump forward and this is the disney thing again like if they can nail both single player and multiplayer and the star wars legacy in the same game that game should be game of the year and the bestseller. I don't know if that's going to happen. What are your expectations for Star Wars Battlefront 2? Am I semi-right about my assessment of the first game as being sort of eh, but Star Wars fans like it? The the the, the first game was ma- major eh. Yeah. For people who have never played any Battlefront game, whether it's old or new, and people who have never, who, who have never played EA games, EA owns... Uh, EA's big shooter is Battlefield. And you have a critique of them. Be- because they own both. Okay, well, wait. I want to get to you fully to your EA critique, but I don't want to lose Battlefront. Do you think Battlefront 2 actually could be a good game, or it's all hype? If I critique EA, it's good. We're going to be here for an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but there was like one thing in particular I thought in our, our pre-discussion you said you wanted to... Uh, to tackle about them maybe that's different podcast but yeah i mean that's what i'm saying like can you pull off a, like a i mean you say triple a this is like quintuple a property like star wars and and make it into an actually a great game because by the way as great as the wing commander games were the base space the best space sims ever were in the late night mid late 90s with x-wing and tie fighter with a fucking joystick on your computer and it was so sick real physics the whole thing if they can pull that off even a tiny bit in this new game, man, I'm giving up on my promise about not getting a PS4 and will immediately spring for a PS4. The original Star Wars Battlefront 2... Uh, mm. l- let me finish the Battlefield thing. The... the uh, Star Wars Battle... All the, all, the, all the Battlefront titles are literally just a copy-paste feel of Battlefield. They're... T- well, but, yeah, they're not... I mean, Call of Duty is way superior. I've played some of those games. Well, and... and, and whether you can go into Battlefront, whether Battlefield or Call of Duty's better, whatever. It, they're, they're both shooters. Call of Duty's probably better. Wait Call of Duty was doing it first, etc. The, the, the um, worst Call of Duty games are as good or better than the quote-unquote better Battlefield games. I'm just being objective. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. Okay. 
Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yes. The original one. So Way back too. on the PS2, PS1. Oh, they're right. So there's Battlefront and Battlefront. Battlefront. Uh, I forgot there was all those Battlefronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The original one. Yes. Was the first was the first Battlefront to have this space combat yeah. that has not been replicated in a game. First console. The computer's that. been doing it since the nineties, but yes, I know. Yes, but very few people have ever played not in the nineties. Uh, faster the 90s than light, sold millions, or, but not anymore. Well, yeah. The, 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 the closest thing you're going to find is Faster Than Light on Steam. What's the, what's the online one? Is it EVA? The, I the, think so. Yeah, that's been... No, no, no. It, just EVE, I think it's called. EVE Online. EVE. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's out there, but yeah, it's still fringe. For- it, it's, you, you, you have to be that specific, obscure part of the PC audience, and yeah. that's not a lot of people. That's me. <laughs> So, right, so the original Battlefront, when you were, like, two years old. <laughs> when I was, like, two years old, I happened to play this at my, my friend's house. Nice. Way, way back in the day. Sure. It is still one of my best memories in gaming. Yeah, I because heard it's awesome. Yeah. It's, for Battlefront 2, the original one, is, is arguably the best multiplayer state for a game ever. Arguably. Because there's nothing else that competes with it. At least in in the in the space shooter sense. Yeah. Now you could you could say Call of Duty's a better like back with Call of Duty, let's say for Modern Warfare, which was no, probably I, w- I wouldn't compare. Uh, I wouldn't. Compare no, no, no. That, that that's that, that's much further ahead. Yeah. That's uh, much probably ahead. probably Call of Duty One, Halo One, Halo Two. Those are probably like the the most similar competitors about about the same time. Everyone which raves about all it, three of those titles. All three of those titles. Are all like huge nostalgia fights? Like you, well, that was you, a golden you, you age. Just, you just no one can win that fight because you can't. But isn't this just to jump in, man? Isn't this somewhat similar to our discussion about the DS versus the 3DS? And because mm-hmm. because of the DS, the DS's long life and just limited hardware, it, it forced developers to be more creative in game creation. You know, and like if when the hardware gets too powerful, it becomes like, let's just have great graphics. With the DS, it was, we, they're like, well, we're never going to have great graphics. So we need to come up with, you know, like uh, Phoenix Wright, you know, and like all yeah. these crazy kind of games that you normally never anyone would play. But on that, you know what I mean? Like it made them get really creative. Yeah. And the PS2 was, you know, expanded things well beyond what people were, right. I think, expecting at right. that point. Yeah. Right. It still looks good. I think the jump from the PS2 to the PS3 uh, to the PS4 is actually less big than I would have maybe predicted at this point. So, okay, so let's tie this back in because I love Star Wars and love video games. So this is the perfect topic. For, for, the, for the Battlefront that is coming out yes. this November. Your predictions. I want your realistic. Give it to me straight, man. If you think it's going to suck, just say it. I need to know your prediction. I honestly think it'll be better than Call of Duty World War II. Wow. I honestly think it will. Here's why. Wow. Unless Call of Duty World War II does the impossible, which is make Call of Duty better as as a franchise, not 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 Call of Duty, like, like not 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 as one not as one World War II, not not not. No, I'm, I'm I'm keep going. I'm with you, buddy. Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. I agree with you. Unless it literally, unless it literally says, hey. Call of Duty isn't a meme now. It's a video game. Let's all play Call of Duty, guys. Like, among my friends list, 
I can ask almost every single one of them. Everyone will say, Call of Duty is a game, but I don't really want to play it because it's Call of Duty. That's all my friends will say. I'm 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 impartial. I'm impartial to the Call of Duty. I'm impartial to the Call of Duty games, dude. You're not insulting anyone. I love Modern Warfare. Ever since Modern Warfare Three, I could give or take every Call of Duty game. I really don't right. think any of them are that. I I, I go right. back and play Modern Warfare One, Two, and Three all the time. I love those games. But it's all about the campaign, and this is the Star Wars thing. And so this is my question, man. So is is Disney the only one that's just able to afford? Like we're gonna do a like Call of Duty or Mass Effect length game, like old school style campaign, and have a ridiculous multiplayer uh, that's gonna go up against Destiny, that's gonna go up against Call of Duty, and so forth. It's just because Disney has that kind of money, because you just don't see it that much. That that both of those things, because they can pay anything. They can literally pay anything. I mean, like, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Disney does. Disney. Disney owns. Disney owns. Disney owns Star Wars, but EA owns the Battlefront. Type. It doesn't matter. Disney has complete creative control. Trust me. This is. Oh yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. But yeah. like, Disney was not thrilled with the first Battlefront game. Yeah. EA EA did not have to do. EA could do the same thing for Battlefront two that they could. They did with Battlefront one. They could have. They could have, but they're not going to. But Disney has a right uh, of last refusal, so right, you know, in, right. Unless unless they sign a contract saying EA can put out whatever final product they want, knowing Disney, there's no way they sign the contract. Right. Um, and for them to tie this into canon with both the campaign and books and stuff, comic books that are going around the campaign, they really believe in it. I, I think this is going to be the best, uh, the most immersive game of the last three years. But only if you care about Star Wars a little bit. I don't. If you don't care about Star Wars, maybe not. I. I, I and you 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 are you you are saying a lot of which uh, what I believe that a core audience, if they thought about it, would be saying. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm saying Call of Duty has to do something revolutionary for Battlefront to, uh, to to Battlefront to be so good that, like, it's going to be Call of Duty. Yeah. Here's where here's where I'm going to put reality into check here. Please. And say that that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, wait, on which side? On which end? It's not going to happen. Both ends. <laughs> One, I do not think, no matter how good lately, I, I I have people come into GameStop all the time because I work at GameStop to for people who haven't listened before. Yes. Talk about that they played the Call of Duty beta. I, they say it's great. They say they love it. From what I understand is that they're keep they're getting rid of the they're they're, they're keeping the specialist system. Where instead of earning score streaks, you have one bar, you have one score streak, and you choose it before the game, and then you earn up to it, or it cools down enough over time that you can eventually use it, and then you can use it in the match. Which, by the way, you're already talking about why some people are just going to want to play Battlefront and have nothing to do with Call of Duty, for exactly what you just said for the last few sentences. I'm right with you, I know what you're saying, but you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Call of Duty yeah. is so technical at this point. Not really. They've they, they've well, well, they've made it more. They've made it you more user friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know that. But I'm saying from a selling standpoint, from a selling standpoint, for me, and I love good Call of Duty games. But if let's say Star Wars Battlefront gets a solid B plus, 
like a real B plus, but like it's super immersive if you're into Star Wars. I would need three great Call of Duty games to equal the, that kind of excitement for me personally, you know. Um, and I'm just curious to see if the market reacts that way or whether people are so gamers are so gamers that they'll just look at the two as competing games. And it's okay, it's cool that it's a Star Wars property, but you know, it still has to be a great game. I mean, the, fest, the, force, the fact that The Force Awakens holds the record for domestic ticket sales with a billion dollars seems to suggest that Battlefront's going to do pretty well, especially in conjunction with Episode I, Eight. I, but, but what, what, you have to, you, what, what you have to realize is that, much like, much like Donald Trump, uh, whether we like him or not, we hate him. He is still going to, he's still going to be sitting at the top of the throne. Not for long. Uh, but that th- this is an analogy okay no, i know l- i'm l- just l- i'm just throwing i'm just i know here. i know keep talking, i know keep talking but, but he, he's going to be there no matter what we do you're just you're just braver than most of my contributors who won't even bring up his name because they don't want to get into politics i'm like guys we all hate trump like it's cool you can talk about it it's you know like it's not it's not a close secret but anyways go ahead like no, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. Call of Duty is still going to outsell Battlefront. Right. And it will probably, I disagree, at the end of the fine. day, still have a larger player base per day after mm-hmm. all the hype okay. is over. All right. So here's, here's our bet. Okay. And I can't buy you alcohol because you're not nearly legal enough yet. I mean, like, you can buy it for me. Whether or not I drink it is... Right. And it's not even your thing. So but I'm saying <laughs> normally people my age, we'd bet a drink, you know? So... Right. We have to bet something else. I think Battlefront will outsell Call bet of Duty. The, okay, 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 okay. I, I got to bet for you. If if I win, okay, you have to go to the corner store in Philly, and this is for people who live in Philly, you got to understand this. You have to go to the corner store, go to the corner store, and buy the entire box of Cosmic Brownies. <laughs> what? <laughs> the Cosmic What the hell are you talking about? Little tiny fudge pr- mass-produced brownies with Jimmy's oh. in them. I guess it's a good bet because I'm already getting sick to my stomach. So, <laughs> <laughs> and if and if you win, yeah, and if you win, I will just buy you Battlefront. <laughs> oh man, we've got all sorts of transactions going on. Um, okay, man. Well, I, I think it's it's going to be one extreme either way. I mean, I think Battlefront yeah. either outsells Call of Duty by 10 times because it's Star Wars and good, or Call of Duty takes the world by storm, and Battlefront's just so-so, and Call of Duty five times the amount I of think sales. that it, there, 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 there's a lot of factors here that, yes. that have to go into play. A lot of ins and outs and what have you, as we say. Well, let's put it this way. Battlefront, there's no way Battlefront is outselling Call of Duty in the first place. Mm-hmm. Whether there's a concurrent playership afterwards is a different determinator. If Battlefront matches, I, let's put it this way. If Battlefront matches, I will, I'll take an L. I do, not, there's no, I do not believe there's any way that Battlefront will be able to match a player base for Call of Duty. Call of Duty is both systems and Battlefront is both systems? Both systems, PC. Well. I'm telling you, if a Battlefront gets 3.9 or 4.0 out of 5 or higher, average review, and the new movie's great, it's going to way outsell Call of Duty. But if neither I, of those things I, happen, then it won't. I, 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 th- I think what part of the thing, part you of the equation here. 
I mean, you get to play even characters I, in the movie that we haven't seen yet. I like, think, people I love that shit. The, I think part of the equation you're missing here yeah, is that ahead. not everybody who has a console is going to go watch Star Wars no, I agree and with go you. buy Battlefront. But that's what I said, yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe consolers are just consolers first and foremost. And so, yeah, in that case, for sure. A lot of people have consoles and only play sports games. I'm just saying... If they're rated equally good, I'm a thousand percent confident that Battlefront would outsell it. But I'm not sure that they're going to be rated equally good. The bottom line yeah. is, both of these, look, Call of Duty, if you say, what's the story of Call of Duty? There is none. So it's just a brand that's been putting out mostly good games for a long time. And Star Wars is a different kind of brand, which is very up and down. Now, you talked about the Battlefront 2 from the, from the PS2 system. Um, the sort of action RPGs of the Knights of the Old Republic were very good and very popular. Star Wars has been very up and down with video games, but it's hard to deny that during the 2000s, uh, they had more, some good more ones. More Star Wars video games have actually been good than bad. I agree. To be honest I with agree. you. I agree. Like, for, the, Force, the Force Awakens was Force Unleashed. fantastic. And, and Force Unleashed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been yeah it's been mostly good uh, not bad um, and uh, I'm somewhat kidding I honestly don't know if I'm going to go out and get a PS4 just for the game but I'm excited that it's at least going to be good um, mm-hmm. but yeah I mean in this maybe we can, we can wrap here and again the main thing about E3 that I kept hearing was just that it was just sort of uninspiring and I think it's interesting that you know Overwatch and I love Blizzard but I am not at all curious to play Overwatch. It sounds completely not up my alley in any way. Um, and uh, and yet, the one I am ins- almost inspired to buy a new system for is Zero Dawn. And it has an amazing story and mythos and characters and stuff like that. And so, man, I, we're continuing this conversation with each podcast, which is great. And it will continue to continue, but... I still think people love great story and great characters, and there has to be a middle ground here going forward. This is my last big question. There has to be a middle ground here going forward about you can have great multiplayer, you know, but you also can tell a great story, like in Mass Effect or Uncharted or something like that, right? It's called Destiny 2. <laughs> oh, this is perfect. Okay, this is perfect. So the one thing, we're finally ahead of the curve here, because this will drop, I don't know if it'll be one day or four days, but this will drop before the release of Destiny 2. So uh, this is coming out in a few days, man. Uh, tell us yep. your thoughts, and uh, yeah. I am I could not be more excited. Um, this is the time that, I, I I don't know if you can remember back to like what WoW was like being covered during its first few years and then afterwards into like its its big expansions. Well, unfortunately, I was already out of gaming by the time that became a thing. But I, yeah, I remember it happening for sure. So like, this is the beginning of WoW 2.0, at least from my perspective. This lately because I've played this game for three years, I've spent two hundred and forty dollars on it because I've bought each expansion at release. And th- like like that that sounds like wow type of spending, doesn't it? Well, to be fair, you you admitted the same thing on the last podcast with more explanation. So I think the the listeners are good. <laughs> you know, we talked about how like one or two games you pick that you love, you throw a lot of money down. It's actually not right, you know, right, such a bad like, investment. Yeah, but I know, but like, mean. yeah. Like, like th- th- that sounds like that sounds like something that an MMO player would invest money into. From what I have seen, 
Mm-hmm. For, since I have played all three years, and I have full memories of like every iteration of the game, every time they adjusted PvP, every time that they changed something and something, I remember it. I remember what the state of the game was. From what from what they are showing off and changing about De- Destiny, Destiny as a whole, and Destiny sure. Two, mm-hmm. it seems like this is it, it's it seems like this is WoW going from what it was to getting legion and being like wow this is so much better now and it's hard it, it's just hard to describe because it's one of those things where it's you had to be there and see it and experience it to fully get it yeah it because, because it's so hard to describe like it's more than nostalgia it's more like it's more like the, it's the type of nostalgia where you're like wow i really don't wish I was still playing that, but man, I wish I could play it again. Well, sure, plenty of experiences you could do them for the first time. You would totally, totally do it. <clears throat> it's so hard to describe. What, what, what I can say is this: what I can say is this is that is this is what Destiny should have been at launch three years ago. This this is the game we were promised by Bungie, the creators of Halo, the OG, the like, like the the OG. The, the 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 super OG space space game guys yeah like like there, there's no other way to describe it it's just this is the, the, like if Zelda didn't exist I would be shocked if Destiny two did not get Game of the Year it just needs to slowly happen and it's good and I feel like it will I feel like what's gonna happen is you're going to have you're you're gonna have everybody from Destiny one buying Destiny two for the most part yeah for the most part. You're then going to have everyone who is looking at the hype buying the game. And then you're going to see everyone who was like everyone who's playing the game and everyone's like, well, I'm on I'm late on the train now. I guess I got to get moving. I, I, I feel like that is what's going to happen now, whether that now what now, whether that's now, whether that's just people who are trying to buy a shooter to tie them over to Call of Duty and Battlefront or not. I think that I I think that Destiny 2 is going to have a much larger player base than Destiny 1. Uh, which, for for comparative purposes, the most recent Call of Duty games, and yes, they were terrible, but the most recent Call of Duty games got it, much less viewership on live streaming services and YouTube as a whole than Destiny got. Destiny, Destiny were made strong as like a, a number a top 20 viewed game on Twitch and YouTube right. over three years, which very few games can achieve. I don't know. I think it's video games are becoming like card games in that sort of the most famous and well-known and accessible card games aren't among the best <laughs> card right. games. Right. You know, like five hand stud poker or straight blackjack, you know, or solitaire or whatever, or, or even hearts. Like, if you want to play right. Trump games, not Donald Trump, like card Trump games, they're much better ones than, than hearts. But um, right, right. But, I, mean, I, I would yeah. play BS with my friends. Like exactly. That's and not so, that's not that's not a good card game. It's just right. fun. <laughs> no, but it's just interesting because I was listening back to our last podcast uh, or at least podcast recording, and I asked you like, why League of Legends? Like, why are you so obsessed? Why is everyone so obsessed? And you're like, because I love to compete. And I'm like, no, but why League of Legends? And you're like because everyone I know plays League of Legends and I can compete against them. I'm like, oh, made way more sense to me, right? 
And so it's this is the thing with multiplayer is if it's going to be a good multiplayer experience, you need a lot of other people to have it. For single player, you could be the only one in the world, and it's still mm-hmm. great. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, it's it, just <sighs> I, didn't, I didn't really it didn't really register with me at the time but when I re-listened I got to you. it. I was like, I this makes you. sense, you know. At the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we could we could talk about what is going to be good, what's not going to be good for any game that's ever existed or will exist. But here is my final, like, like the, I will, I will stress this to the end of the if there. If there's a moral for video games, it's whatever is, whatever you would enjoy playing is the best game and a discussion. I agree with that. Um, and that brings me to my transition to my f- almost, or maybe final question, but an interesting point. Um, I sort of hinted at earlier was that, you know, I follow some people who went to E3, but then they went to Gen Con, which is the 50th anniversary of the board, main board game convention, uh, which they hold in Indianapolis now, I guess. Although people say Indy's actually a cool city. I don't know. I've never been there before. But, um, and there was like, you know, a palpable enthusiasm there for board games that seems to be lacking in video games right now, right? I mean, I remember reading critiques mm-hmm. during E3 of like some of the presidents of the companies, like they weren't even trying to do a Steve Jobs kind of presentation. They were just like, here's another trailer, here's another trailer. And it, it, it makes me think how much money is being invested versus what's coming out because let me just frame it this way. As pumped as you are for Destiny 2 and as sure as you are that there's going to be some great improvements, I'd be shocked if you didn't start playing it and immediately were like, okay, they should have this and this and this and this and this, right? Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that regardless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's still going to be a better game than Destiny 1 sure. will ever be. Sure. Um, Because Destiny 1 is... Like, it, it, it's a unfortunately it's it's like a multi-layered cake where each cake is a different flavor slash uh well-made version of that layer of the entire cake and so you're just like well i'm not sure that this actually tastes good but it certainly tastes insert interesting that's the best analogy i can come up with um <laughs> yeah yeah no i know i know what you mean Destiny 2 looks like a completed game. It's got just just throwing comparative stats. Um, and but before I go into this, I just want to mention real fast. Bethesda's E3 conference. It looked like they spent more time making their E3 conference than they did the games they presented. <laughs> it was very weird. Hmm. I'm sure it would have been better if I was high, but. Yeah, I'm not a big Bethesda fan. That's another story. It's 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 actually kind of worth watching the 48 minute crazy madness that it was. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, like as a comparative state between Destiny One and Destiny Two, at launch, Destiny Two has 50 cutscenes. Destiny One had 11. Destiny Two is going to have over 30 hours of PVE base story content. Mm-hmm. And for a game that's designed for endgame content, that's ridiculous. Right. Destiny 2 is designed to be a shooter version of WoW, in a sense. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to kill WoW. Right. It's not meant to replace WoW. Right. It's meant to be WoW for people who are not interested in playing WoW. 
Well, and, and this is, look, and my challenge to both consumers and corporations is to, like, let's create other genres other than shooters that people line up for like this, you know? Like, that's great that Destiny 2 has all those cutscenes. Are they going to be good? Are they going to be well-acted, well-produced? Like, if if so, is it going to bring you further I mean, into like, the world? That's that's the important thing. It's like, when, you when you further in. When, when you have Nathan Fillion... Yeah, when, when, you have two, when you have two, when you have two people, when when two of the three main characters are sci- are voice actors from sci or uh, from Firefly, yeah, like wait, who's, uh, wait, who else? Uh, Ikora, the warlock Vanguard is what's her face, and then Nathan Fillion is. Hey, wait, who's what's her face? Well, there's a lot of what's her faces. Uh, hold on. Engineer Zoe Inara. I think it was Zoe. Played by Gina Torres. She does a lot of voice acting. Gina Torres. Oh, yeah. man. She's awesome. She does a character in Star Wars. Robles Lance Reddick is Lance Reddick is the other Love one. Lance Reddick. Right. I remember reading that. Yeah. It's smart. It's smart. They're doing the right thing. They're absolutely doing the right thing. Um, what's his face? Shax is um, Daryl from Walking Dead. They, they, they have so many. No, no Peter Dinklage. <laughs> P- P- Peter Dinklage. Uncharted. Like, 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 no Android. Like, come on now. Like, yeah. there, there, there are over a thousand people. I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. There are yeah. over a thousand people working on this game. Yes. It's a massive effort. Yeah, it's a massive amount of people. Totally, totally. <laughs> like, like normal game development. You, you've got like no. It took six people made No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. And listen, you can say what you want about No Man's Sky. Yeah, at launch it was a terrible mess. But for six people to create that game is like six people created something that it, it's like it's like making a canvas that is so infinitely large that you right. can't even like you, you you couldn't paint on it if you tried like right, they which, did they did the impossible in yeah. a sense so if the, if the space combat in battlefront 2 is amazing though it'll make it even more more sad Oh yeah, sure. That wasted effort. Um, I'm not saying it has gotten better, but the reputation will never be restored after all that hype. Even I know that, you know, and I don't follow this stuff very closely. I think, yeah, I mean, look, it just depends what people want in narratives. I mean, you, we're not going to talk about this here because this is a whole podcast I'd love to do about anime. Like you, and I know a lot of people your age, around your age, that really like anime. Um, you know, some of it is kind of silly and some of it's really smart. And, but those are, those are narratives that you're watching, you're know, reading and everything, mm-hmm. you know. And I think with video games, it's just going to depend on wherever, yeah, w- w- what the players want. Maybe the players don't care about star wars so that's that doesn't factor in maybe they do um but uh yeah i mean i think it, it's also just age-wise like you know like i hate to play the old man card but like kids spending a lot of time on destiny your age i'm 100 percent cool with and probably would if i was in your generation right now but like people my age i'm like come on guys like you know what i mean like they, yeah. they, they find they finally put the story in the game <laughs> yeah that helps that helps lately but, yeah I, I, I can go on and on about why I think Destiny 2 is going to be fantastic. No, I'm not saying it's not going to be good. I'm just saying... No, no, no. no I, 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 I'm, yeah. I'm, say, I'm saying that from... I'm saying from... A, I'm probably boring everyone who's not interested <laughs> in Destiny right no, now. No, it's okay. We have, we have an actually been talking... It's, it's fine. We haven't really been talking that long about it. So, okay, man. So, um, uh, two quick questions for you. Um, did you ever play um, Zero Dawn? 
Are you just? I have not played Zero Dawn. Played it. Okay. The main um, reason is because I played the Zelda. Right. <laughs> well, that was the comparison I was going to ask was between the two because um, there are some similarities and differences, actually. Um, so, um, yeah. So what's, what's, what was one thing to come out of E3 or just like the summer announcements in general that maybe a lot of people haven't heard about that people should be excited about? We'll just end on that. Um, that's tough. Um, or just something coming out in general that you know you're that's not out yet that you're that you're pumped about. Can hmm. I talk about more about Destiny too? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, just kidding. Um, you want me to ask you a different question? No, no, I, I, we we didn't get to talk about Mario Odyssey at all, and I suppose it would be Mario Odyssey. Mm. Um, for is anybody this, who is played, RPG? is this a Mario RPG? No. So it, it's 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 a fully open world Mario game. Weird. Okay. A open world platform. Mm-hmm. For anybody who has played Mario sixty four or Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. it, Nintendo came out and classified. Sorry, my mic cut off there for a second. I think mm-hmm. um, Mario came out and classified all the open world Mario games on two sides of a fence. The Mario Galaxy style games, which and and which are great, but uh, like Mario 3D Land, all, all the most recent Mario games, and like and the platformers and how they match up. Things like Mario 3D World and Mario Galaxy are on one side of the fence, and then you have Mario Sunshine and Mario 64 on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. They say that Mario Odyssey is on the Mario Sunshine and Mario 64 side of the fence, mm-hmm. and that is the type of game it's going to be. It's going to be the true successor to Mario 64, the game that killed Sonic. <laughs> right. That's a good point. The game that, that made one, Nintendo yeah. won the, the, the Nintendo Sega War. Yeah. They, they were already winning, but that certainly helped. No, they were losing. No, they were losing. I'm saying at that point, there was also other things trending that, that helped them win. Right, it wasn't just Mario right. 64. From a, right. But I, I know but what you mean. Yeah. Mario 64, for a lot of people, is their favorite game. Interesting. I've never heard that. They, they, and, and from what I have seen, from what I have seen, what I have heard from people, huh. is that Mario Odyssey is going to be the greatest game they've ever played. Like, like for Nintendo, they have released... They, they they have released two fantastic games yeah. in the same year that are that are like literally the pinnacle of their creation in a sense. Yeah. Because Mario is their number one title and Zelda is number two. Yeah. Well, enjoy it while you can, buddy, because you get to your thirties, the hand-eye coordination starts slowing down a little bit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, uh, I'll live. You'll, I'll live. Yeah, you'll definitely live. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you know. Again, like yeah, as someone who's just really gotten into tabletop gaming in the last couple of years, you know, a lot of the the iOS and you know uh, Google Play apps of the better new you know high level tabletop games are awesome are like really really good um and it just you know that's like a lifestyle thing like you can just play more shorter games 
Um, I, so I find myself going back to the PS list. I also looked recently at a list of the best PS3 games, and I'm like, oh, I've sampled or played like 15 of the 25 or something. So, you know, so I think it was also just, it, that's why maybe I will jump in with the PS4, because between Zero Dawn and Battlefront and Call of Duty, like those three games, and Uncharted, which I hear, I hear even like the expansion of the Uncharted was good, of Uncharted. Um, mm-hmm. was good um, as well. So, um, all right, man. Well, thanks so much for being on. Um, Biz- yeah, so Bizzlecasters, be on the lookout for some some of our previous conversation as well, hopefully dropping. Um, but I thought this was a pretty good sampling of what's going on right now. Um, I'll, I'll end this one, man, uh, with my very last question. I think I might have done this in the previous podcast, but like, if you're looking in as like an all-knowing, <laughs> you know, wizard or whatever at the the video game industry you're looking at from above you're, you're above the fray you can see you know the 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 flaws and the, and the positives and and everything like what do you think like structurally is the biggest problem uh, for not problem or just problem or challenge uh going forward for video games you know like when you're playing and spending all these hours there must be like a few big issues which kind of be like huh it'd be you know never you know like is, is it vr augmented reality was something you mentioned before the podcast like what, what's what's like the new thing software hardware both that is going to sort of take us somewhere we haven't been yet maybe i don't know anything that any which way um so yeah either challenge or like you know new development that's maybe not fully developed but that you that you think could be uh game changing part of the pun i i think that we are the, the gaming industry is trying to push itself as far as it can with technology with the release of the Xbox One X. Right. I think that this is this is the last iteration of the, the Xbox One and the PS4. And I think with that, we are going to start to see some very interesting things that are going to happen because of comp- like competitors trying to compete with technology. Mm. Things like the Switch... Have, have like Nintendo threw down a gauntlet by putting out the Switch and saying, hey, this is what's possible with technology now. This is what's possible with gaming. And I think that something on Microsoft's side is how quickly they can get the holocast working to make it usable for gaming. Mm-hmm. And something on Sony's side, I, I don't know what they I don't know what they have planned, but I think they're just gonna they're just going to keep doing what they do best and keep making a PlayStation really good. Um, mm-hmm. But I, 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 I think the future looks. I think I think it looks dark right now because we are just getting or like like the dawn is just starting of a new era of gaming where the the like like like, like Skynet like like Skynet is just getting invented now sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. There was just a uh, campaign recently to sign an international law against killer robots, like <laughs> that will never militarize robots. It's like, yeah, that's going to happen. No, no corrupt government's going to try and militarize robots. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, I agree. I don't know. I part of me really respects the Switch. I mean, I, I definitely respect the Switch, but I also think my iPhone Seven Plus uh, hardware specs aren't a ton below the switch so then what the switch has is the control the physical controls and then of course the software development 
you know, you can you can buy things that are like create switch like controls for your smartphone, but because they're not designing games for people who have that, it's you know, it's not really there. So I wonder if Nintendo will go into the mobile business at some level at some point because it seems more comparable to that in some ways. Um, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting going forward. Well, thank you for being on, man. I appreciate absolutely your team great as to be always. here. Yeah, and uh, you enjoying your summer? You're starting uh, you're starting college in the fall. Everything everything going good with you overall? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. I couldn't complain. Hasn't been. T- we're both in Philly. It's been a pretty nice summer. You know, hasn't been. It's been kind of cool lately. It hasn't been too bad. Yeah, it's been it's been really nice, and thankfully, it's been cool because I like cold weather and not hot weather. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on. Thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. Check out everything else I got going on with the podcast, and we are out.